Thank you, Rose. We're going to be talking about taking God seriously in transitions. Now, the transition is going to be Elijah and Elisha, but we have examples in the New Testament as well. And that from Philipp, uh, from uh, first our Second Second Timothy was an excellent example of the Apostle Paul saying, "I'm passing the baton to you, Timothy. It's yours now. You take it and you go with it." And so we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about Elijah and Elisha. And again, I just want to recognize God's goodness as we are able to come to him in prayer. So we're going to spend some time in prayer. Some of you may be aware we have state youth games on right now, so our team is uh, down there. And so let's uh, pray for our team, for their safety, and there'll be an evangelistic uh, message that'll be given tonight by uh, Pastor David Skirving. So we'll just pray for that as well. Also, we continue to pray for what's going on in Ukraine. 100 days, then it's not over, and our commitment is to pray for peace. Uh, for those who have given to the Ukraine appeal, again, thank you. Be aware uh, of how you're giving, and just be conscientious of what I said uh, last time, is that the number that you put in and giving that, they are going to, you put it in Australian dollars, they're translating that as if you were committing in American dollars. So just be aware of that. And so right now, the exchange is about $1.40 for every, um, for every Australian dollar, or for every American dollar, it's about $1.40. So just be aware of that. We want to keep praying for that ministry and for that outreach. It's not letting up. That's the thing. It's just not letting up. And the tragedies are going on every day. Uh, some of you are aware in my home state, I tried not to watch a lot of news when I had COVID, but I watched some. Uh, in my home state, there was, a, again, a shooting. It's terrible, and I'm just praying for God's grace and even for the lawmakers to do something about it. Many of us, myself included, just don't want to hear that anymore. So we've just got to do something. So pray for grace for that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for God's blessing upon us. We also want to continue to pray for our new government and a new prime minister, and that's our charge, that's our calling. We will pray. So I'm just going to give you a moment to pray silently. If you have a need personally, bring that to the Lord in prayer right now. Remember these big things that are going on in our world, but no prayer request is too small for our God. Father, we have already proclaimed our belief in you and the Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have proclaimed that you so loved the world that you gave Jesus Christ into the world, the suffering servant, the one who humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross, and the one who is exalted right now. And there will be a day when every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord, right now we confess your goodness, your grace, your love, your forgiveness, your mercy in our lives. And Lord, we pray once again for mercy in our world. We pray for an end to this, this terrible war in Ukraine. We pray that the Russian troops would be withdrawn, and we pray for peace. We pray that the refugees could return home. But until they get to return home, I do pray that you would provide for them, and we thank you that we in some small way, can provide through this local church in Romania and bless them in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Father, we also want to pray for our country, for our nation, for our government, for our new prime minister, for the government that he is forming, and we pray for wisdom, for skill. We pray that the decisions that he makes and how he leads would be good for Australia, but we recognize that righteousness exalts a nation, and so we pray once again for righteousness. Father, we also want to just again recognize those who are ill and sick, those who are suffering, and we do not take your healing for granted, and we thank you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We thank you again for the medical doctors, for the nurses, for our hospitals, for those who are on the front lines caring for others, and we do pray your blessing upon them in this nation and around the world. Father, we also want to pray for our young adult ministries and for a very important weekend for them, and it's not just the recreational time, it's the time of hearing the gospel, building friendships and relationships, and we do pray for our state youth games, for our team, and for all the teams down there, that you would be honored in everything that they do, that it would be an enjoyable time, but most of all, that Jesus Christ would be exalted. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you call us to worship you today, and we rejoice to do it. And Lord, we want to hear from your word and help us to take our living God seriously in everything we do. In Christ's name, amen. Let's, uh, let's talk about life transitions for a moment. So I'm going to show you a few pictures. You can guess what these might be. So I think you might guess that. So life transitions, sometimes you move on from education into another level of life. So graduation, that's a big transition. Uh, let's see the next one. Um, this guy's moving, that's the box, and I don't know why he's smiling, but he's moving. Um, so that's a, that's a, that can be a big transition. Whenever you've moved, it's not always that much fun, but this guy enjoys it. Now, uh, next one, uh, you can guess what that is. Getting married, that's a pretty big transition. That's a big deal. Okay, next one, having a baby, that's a big change, and uh, we recognize not everyone's going to get married this year. But there will be people in our church who are going to get married and have gotten married this year. Not everyone's going to have a baby this year, but there are people in our church who have just recently had a baby. We just celebrated that again on the, our, our announcements and others that are coming this year. So it's a big deal, life transition. Okay, do we have any more? Oh, this guy. Okay, yeah. So what's this guy? He's running up the ladder to success. Uh, you realize that ladder goes both ways, but no matter what... Um, no matter what, that's a transition. Whether you go up or down, it's always a transition. So my point is this. You may be in one of these life transitions or other transitions, but we all go through them. And my point is going to be this. How do we take God seriously in the transitions of life? Now, for my example, for my biblical story, I want to use the example of Elijah in his transition. So here's a picture of Elijah and his transition. And by the way, this is not likely to happen to you. So we're going to use this as a story, but don't expect it to happen to you. I'm not expecting it to happen to me. So here's Elijah waving goodbye, taken up to heaven with the fiery horses and the fiery chariot. By the way, 
I get it, that's how we imagine that and so forth, but if you look over the screen over here, and Elijah went up into heaven, and what? A whirlwind. Now, there is a fire chariot and horses in the story, but he goes up in a whirlwind. So if you actually know that, you're probably in the 90 percentile of, uh, of Christians' knowledge uh, in the Bible, but he goes up in a whirlwind. But artists like to put him in the chariot, fine by me. But nonetheless, it's a big transition for him, and it's going to involve not just him, but it will also involve Elisha. And that's who we're studying and, and using Elisha's life for this theme of taking God seriously. Now, let me talk about transitions, and let me give you an illustration of a critical transition in a track and field race, which is a race where you pass the baton or the baton, as you call it. Uh, so you're passing the baton. And you'll notice uh, one racer, the guy in red, is looking forward. He's not looking back, but he has his hand back. And the guy in blue, he is the one who has to hand that off. And that little circle, that's the critical space right there. Now, it looks easy, but it, you've seen people drop those things. Now, I, I, I did do some track. We did some of the, you know, the relays and so forth and, and so on. We were never very impressive in that. So if we make the exchange, we, we consider that good whether we won or not. But here's the thing about the exchange. So I do know something about the exchange, not only in track and field, but also in life. Because I have handed off the baton, and I've received the baton. And here's the thing about handing off the baton. you got to let go of it. In a transition, you got to let go. You don't get to hold on to the power stick. you got to give it away. That's part of the transition. And then the other thing, the guy who receives the baton, you got to take it and run and not look back. you got to take it and run and not look back. And so transitions are critical. This is a, a critical transition. And we, as a church, are going through a time of transition. I'll talk a little bit more about that, but I want us to recognize that we go through life transitions, individual transitions. We go through transitions in communities and so forth, and so we've just prayed for our government, our new government that is transitioning into power. Transitions are important. They're critical, and the deal is this. How do we take God seriously in the times of transitions. Well, Elijah's story, his transition, is going to be helpful to us. It's unique, but it'll be helpful. I want you to think about your transitions. Perhaps you're in the midst of one right now. How do you take God seriously in the midst of transition in life? How do you take God seriously? And what we're going to do is learn from Elijah and Elisha. So I'm going to get you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 2, and I'm going to read the first eight verses. And by the way, I think these verses are dynamite. I really like them. And, and when you read them with me, you may think, well, that was kind of weird. But, but they're really kind of interesting to me because I think it's important for transitions, and we're going to learn some neat lessons from these. So I'm going to ask you to stand as I read from 2 Kings chapter 2. And we're going to read about Elijah and his transition. Verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, remember that, it was a whirlwind, 
Elijah and Elisha, so Elijah the older prophet, Elisha the younger prophet, were on their way to Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and, said, and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me on to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company, the company of prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. Verse 6, then Elijah said to him, stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan, that's the river. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water with it, the water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed on dry ground. This is God's word. You may be seated. Like I said, fascinating story. I really like it. Uh, even just this first part. Here's the point. In times of transition, remember to stay faithful to the call. And so they're going to see this challenge. It's going to go out from Elijah. And you wonder why this narrative, three times he says to Elisha, stay here, stay here, stay here. Do you get that? Verse 2, verse 4, verse 6, not in verse 8, but, but you know what I mean. It's, it's in these three verses, 2, 4, 6. And Elisha's response is consistent. Every time he says the same thing, as surely as the Lord lives, so I'm going to take God seriously in this. And as you live, I will not leave you because, in essence, I am called to serve you. That's what you called me to do. That's what God called me to do. And so I will not leave that calling. Now, I also think it's interesting, why is this in the text? Why do we have so much space on this? And one of the things, I, at least in my mind, one of the things I'm thinking back is the life of Elijah, great prophet. And there was a point after he uh, has his contest on Mount Carmel, and he flees from Jezebel. Now, he's victorious there. He stands up by himself against 450 prophets of Baal. But he flees from Jezebel, and he's depressed. And he just wants to die, and God has a conversation with him. So turn back to 1 Kings chapter 19, and we'll look at beginning verses 9 and 10. And I want you to see what's going on there because I think it's going to relate to our passage today. So verse 9, there he went to a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am, notice, the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. 
Later on, I'm going to move down uh, into uh, verse 13. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. What we see there is... The reason for Elijah's depression, he, he feels like he's the only one holding up for the word of God, holding up for the truth, holding up for the living God. What's interesting to me is that at that point in his life, Elijah could say to God, I'm the only one. But here he is in this major transition from planet Earth into the presence of God. Big time transition. He says to Elisha, every time, stay here, stay here, stay here. No way. As long as God lives and as long as you live, I'm not leaving you. What is he saying? Elijah, you're not the only one. And so we look at this passage, and he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. And then it says, so the two of them walked on. I love that last thought. The two of them walked on. They just walked together. Isn't that interesting? There's going to be amazing principles here when it comes to major life transitions, and one of them that we can apply to in our world is this. When people are going through serious transitions, that's a time we can be Elisha to them. That's the time they need somebody to walk with them because transitions are hard. And Elijah doesn't get to say ever again, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Now, I want you to look over at uh, 1 Kings 19, just look at one more verse, verse 18, because God's going to tell him at that point something different than what he thinks. Verse 18, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouth have not kissed him. You need to recognize, Elijah, you're not the only one. But that's how he felt, and he was honest with God. That's how I feel. That's what I think. But God is going to tell him first, no, there's still a remnant. There's still people who love me. There's still people who haven't followed the false gods. And Elisha is going to say to him, I'm just not leaving you. So all I can say is this. After all that Elijah has gone through, and by the way, when he stands up against the 450 prophets of Baal, he's standing by himself. He feels very lonely there. And sometimes it can feel lonely when we're serving the Lord. And we can feel it out in the world, and we can feel it in the workplace, and we can feel it in the classroom because I feel like I'm the only one. Sometimes those in ministry feel like, what am I doing? I, I feel like no one's there with me. Elisha teaches us an amazing lesson. Sometimes we can just be Elisha to somebody in times of transition. So the two of them walked on. Here's the question. When we go through transitions, when you go through transitions, you know you want somebody there with you. Major life transitions. Maybe we can be Elisha to someone as well. Walk on with them, the two of them. In times of transition, remember to stay faithful to the call, and that's what Elisha does. 
Here's the second point. We must allow God to make the difficult decisions. And, maybe, and I'm using allow God, but we've got to trust God to make difficult decisions. Now look at verses 9 and 10. Then they crossed. And again, there's something very symbolic there, of course, crossing the Jordan on dry ground. Then they crossed, and Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. Let me just point out, the request for a double portion is not saying, I want to do twice the ministry, I want to be twice the man you are. That's not what he's saying. It's more of an inheritance-type thought. In other words, I want to be able to carry your mantle. I want you to pass the baton to me. I want to continue your ministry. Now, Elijah, I think, would have loved to say, yes, go for it. It's yours. Take it. But here's Elijah saying, that's in God's hand. I do not have the right to give that away. That belongs to God. Now, here's the thing. If you see me when I depart, that request will be granted. If you do not, it will not be granted. And so we know that he gets to see him. But Elijah would like to grant the request, but it's up to God. It's, it's God's call. He says, you've asked a difficult thing. In other words, too difficult for me. I, I cannot stand in God's place. If you see me, if you see me, you will receive it. Uh, let me just point out, major transitions are often in God's hands, aren't they? I mean, we, we look at some of the major transitions in our life. And so even, you know, parents who have children, well, God had something to do with that, right? Life, death, marriage, major transitions. Yeah, God is involved. And we always want to take God seriously when we approach these times of transitions because we recognize God is God and we've got to let God be God. And what is Elijah doing here? Even though he'd love to say to Elisha, yeah, take it. He's basically saying, no, God gets that call, and God gets to be God, and he will make the decision. He will always make the right decision. One of the things I would say is this. We need to honor God in transitions by letting him be God. One of the important things that we do in this is just being people of prayer. In the midst of transition, we've got to be people of prayer and recognize our God. Third, we always build upon the faithful work of those who preceded us. So look at verses 11 and 12. As we were walking along, talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire, I told you that was going to come into play, and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. So that's actually the, the way it happened. Elisha saw this. So remember, seeing is going to be important. Saw this, and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Uh, let me just highlight a, a couple things there. First, uh, there's this sense of a, a, a level of respect that he's going to pay to Elijah. Elijah is taken up in a whirlwind. Now I'm going to give you another painting. Um, and so another painting, so they always seem to have Elijah in the chariot of fire, fine. You know, you know how it happens, though. There is a chariot of fire, there are horses of fire, but he's actually taken up in a whirlwind 
Where the chariot went, I don't know. But he's taken up. But you notice what the phrase is, and Elisha says to Elijah, my father, my father. It's an obvious statement of respect. Uh, and then he, he, in sorrow, he tears his clothes. He sees the events. He's aware that he will receive a double portion. At that moment, he's aware he will receive a double portion. But his thoughts are on Elijah, not on himself. The meaning to the phrase, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. What I think he's talking about is not the, the, the chariots of fire or the horses and those type of stuff. He's talking about Elijah. Elijah is the strength of the nation. The nation will be exalted in righteousness, and it's Elijah who stands proclaiming the word of God. He is, in essence, a one-man army. Now, how do I know this? Because later on in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14, just before Elisha dies, the king in that day is going to make the exact same statement to Elisha. Why? Because the word of God, faithfully proclaimed, is the strength of any people. It's the strength of a church. It's the strength of a community. It is the strength of a nation. It is the strength of the world. And that's what Elisha is saying. This is my strength. You are that prophet. I mentioned one of the things that we're going to be doing in this church is that there'll be a time of transition. But one of the things I want to do is just uh, recognize that no one ever just starts on their own. There's always a team that's there. And one of the blessings that we've had in this church is have great men and women of God who have served this church. Now, on our history wall upstairs, you'll notice that it just features the senior pastors. They are not the only important people in the church in many ways, they represent a team of people, the elders, the deacons, the faithful servants in the church. But what's important in this church, if you go back, even to H.J. Banks, our very first pastor, is that there was a faithful proclamation of the word of God. Now, I'm aware not of all the ministries there, but I have looked at H.J. Banks. I know of Roy Raymond and his faithful proclamation of the word, a powerful man of God. I also uh, know Nigel Merrick and just how faithful he is to the Word of God. And, of course, my brother Graham, who was here for 21 years. One of the things I recognize is you don't start. This is not your work. You're building on the faithfulness of others who faithfully proclaim the Word of God. And that's what Elisha is recognizing as well. He now takes the mantle. He will have the mantle. But he recognizes the strength of any nation is the faithfulness of proclaiming the word of God to God's people. Here's the fourth point. God's power is not limited to a particular person. And this, uh, we, we're going to see this clearly. Verse 13. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the back of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. Where is God? He's still there. We take him seriously. He's still there. 
Verse 15, the company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, the spirit of Elijah is resting upon Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. So when Elisha takes up the mantle, it's not simply the position, but also the responsibility that he knows he is there to faithfully proclaim the word of God. And we can transition, and there are transitions. And throughout the history of the church, there have been great people of God who have faithfully served God's people in their generation. My point is, praise God for them. But when God transitions, it's okay, because when we take God seriously, he can raise up another servant. Isn't that great? Now, one of my favorite uh, children's stories uh, is uh, Winnie the Pooh. And praise God, praise God, he has, uh, he's not been canceled yet. Isn't that great? But the characters are all amazing to me. I, I love them all. Uh, what about Tigger? I want to talk a little bit about Tigger. So here's, a, here's the thing about Tigger. What's the most wonderful thing about Tigger? I'm the only one. Here's the deal. You're not Tigger. I'm not Tigger. He's Tigger. He's the only one. The point I want to make is this. Yeah, God uses faithful servants in their day, and then in the transition, he will raise up somebody else because he's God. And that's what he does. And so, yeah, yeah, the Apostle Paul was pretty important. But then he's going to raise up Timothy and other Timothys. And then we see it throughout history. So, yeah, God uses Martin Luther and John Calvin in the Reformation but God still raises up other men and women who will faithfully proclaim the word of God. And that's what we've got to do when we recognize and we take God seriously. I'm going to use this case in point of Paul and Timothy. And we've heard from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. But look at verses 1 and 2 again because this is going to be uh, Paul's charge to Timothy. We know what's coming. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. But listen to what he says. In the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Now, what do you think is going to be surprising here? What's the strength of the church? What's the strength of the nation? Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Why? Well, there's a four there in verse 6. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. The time for my departure is near. I fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. That's Paul. And that's Timothy. Now, we've got to think about it. We have to look at that and say, well, that's nice. So I'm not a Elijah or Elisha. I'm not Paul or Timothy. But it's interesting, as you look at the New Testament, we're not just spectators in transitions, are we? We actually, as the church of Jesus Christ, always have a role, always. In Hebrews chapter 11, we see the great hall of fame of faith for these Old Testament saints, men and women, who have faithfully served the Lord, and it's their faith that uh, distinguishes them. And then Hebrews chapter 12, I, I want to go to that passage because we find a, a very interesting thought that he says after we've discussed all these great people of faith, therefore, 12 verse 1, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, in other words, these people who say, you can do it, you can live that life of faith. 
Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. One of the things that we need to recognize is that we are not simply spectators. We are there to run that race. And we participate in these times of transition. Let me give you three uh, points of application. So the first one I've already said, we're not simply spectators. What the writer of Hebrews is saying is we've been past the baton, therefore serve Jesus Christ in this generation. So with this church and some of you know, it'll be about six months before I will transition out. And then there'll be a time of transition with a new senior pastor. But the point is this, we're all involved in the transition. We've all received the baton. Let us, let us, let us. It's not just handing it to one guy and watching him run with it. Finally, run with perseverance, the race marked out for you. In our transition... One of the things I want to do is, again, ask you to take it seriously. Pray about it. Pray for the elders. Pray for the next senior pastor. There's work going on. I'm convinced every week the elders are working very diligently every week. They need your prayers. They need your support. Stay faithful. That's what Elisha does. He stays faithful. Stay faithful. Honor God. We always respect those who have gone before us. That's part of our history. as part of who we are. Praise God for the faithful men and women who have made this church what it is. And then, run with perseverance the race marked out for you. Pray with me. Father, we thank you that you have called us, not just one or two of us, all those who know Christ Jesus, you have called us to follow Christ our Lord. And Lord, I do pray that we would be faithful to fix our eyes upon Jesus Christ. That we would look to him and run in such ways to win the prize. That we would look to him who endured such opposition from sinners so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. Father, as we go through individual life transitions, family transitions, church transitions, we want to take you seriously. In Christ's name, amen.